Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America Wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. Thanks a lot for tuning in this afternoon. Top of the fourth, still no score between Cleveland and Houston. Oilers tomorrow, 9.30 face-off show, 11 a.m. for the puck drop, taking on the New Jersey Devils in Sweden. We'll uh, keep an eye out, well, once it's uh, tomorrow morning in Sweden and they're up for the morning skate about any possible roster moves because if Chris Russell is activated, they'll have to uh, make a corresponding move to take somebody off the roster. It could be as simple as uh, assigning Ethan Bear, at least on paper, to the Bakersfield Condors and then seeing what they decide to do once they get back to North America. Just some uh, text to 630-630 that came in during the news. Dudley says when it comes to McDavid versus Matthews, the best player will be the one who lifts the Stanley Cup over his head the most times. Only time will tell. And a couple supporters for Milan Lucic surfacing. Uh, This texter says, so sick of all the trash talk about Luch. There are 30 teams who would have given him the same money or more. Yes, he had a brutal season, but to complain about it daily is ridiculous. And Bill says, please tell all the Lucic haters and the rest of the naysayers to take all their negativity back to their armchairs and give the Oilers a chance to redeem themselves this season. Quite fickle these sometimes Edmonton fans can be. That is a text from Bill to 630-630. Well, starting tomorrow, we can... uh we can put all the what-ifs behind us and start seeing how it's going to look for real. That'll be fun. Reed Wilkins sitting in for Bob Stoffer, and I'm very pleased to welcome to the show from Sportsnet 960 in Calgary, Peter Labardius. Peter, how are you doing, buddy? I'm good, Reed. How are you? I'm doing great. It's awesome to have you on the show. Of course, uh, the Flames media and fans and the team itself already uh, digesting the start of its season. Uh, I know we had Louie on yesterday who did the uh, Hockey Night in Canada, the Sportsnet color commentary, Uh, but give me your take on uh, what went down, that 5-2 win the Canucks wound up scoring. Well, my guess is my take won't be any different than either what you've heard or what you saw with your own two eyes in their first game. I didn't think they came out of the gate with a lot of urgency and it was a bit of a pedestrian start to the game. They really turned it on early in period number three, but they were down 3 nothing at that point. And, you know, my other observation, Reid, was the fact that in the second period, they put together four or five really quality shifts, which ended up being followed by two power plays. On the night, they went 0 for 7, with the man advantage, but the two power plays in the second period really hurt their game and their momentum. The thing about power plays that I don't know if it gets talked about enough, you know, we always, needless to say, focus and and should on what the actual numbers are, how you do and how many chances. But when your power plays are bad, Reed, as you know, they can really take momentum away from you and swing it to the other group. So 
not only was their power play 0 for 7, it had some real good lucks actually in the third. They didn't capitalize. I thought Vancouver did a great job with penalty killing. They worked their tails off. They were very strong in their structure and opportunistic. And Jacob Markstrom played one of the best games I've ever seen him play with my own two eyes. And thus, the Canucks win 5-2. You know, I do overtime open line with Rob Brown after every Oilers game. I sure do. And he often says about power plays, of of course you want to score as many goals as possible. That's what it's all about. But he said with power plays that sometimes it's when you score it as opposed yeah. to how many, you, go, you know, you, you go one for three and that goal broke a 2-2 tie halfway through the third period. It's a lot different than going one for three, uh, turning a 4 nothing loss into a 4-1 loss. And I know that was a big problem for the Oilers last year in contrast with their playoff season. Uh, they got a lot of power play goals that were big ones in the third period, the year they made the playoffs, and it wasn't something they used to swing the game in their favor last season. So I, I hear you there. Bang bang on with that for sure. Hey, Peter, give us give us the injury update today for the Flames and what moves they've uh, had to make to adjust to that. Well, it's not very good. Travis Hamannick, who people may have witnessed, stepped up in the defense of Dylan Dubé, who was eight seconds, literally, into his NHL career when a freight train named Eric Goodbranson tried to almost remove part of his body from the other half. Travis, being the great teammate that he is and always has been, jumped in and said hello, but paid a very, very dear price. So it's a facial fracture for Hamannick, one of the Flames' top four defensemen. No exact timetable. As you know, we never really received those, but Right now, Reed, it's week to week. So tomorrow, Dalton Prout will come into the lineup. They've called up Rasmus Anderson, who had a really, really good preseason and looks like he's as close, at least, as I've ever seen him to be a regular NHL-type defenseman. And Anderson won't play tomorrow by the looks of the practice I just left. Proud will go in and play with Valimaki, and then on their second pairing, looks like Michael Stone will jump up and play with Noah Hannafin. All right. Well, yeah, tough injury for the Flames right out of the gate for sure. We'll see how they adjust to that. Let, let me throw one at you here, Peter. You, you heard me reading the, the Lucic texts before I brought you on, and he, he's always, you know, he's a talking point all of the second half of last year, all summer. And it's funny because whenever uh, a listener or a fan makes some negative comments, I I always get people coming in the other way saying, hold on, be patient, look at his career, give him a chance. But but he's got to bounce back. He's got to play better. Who's the Milan Lucic of the Flames this year? The one guy you're saying, I think he's better than what he showed most of last season. Uh, but maybe I'm a little worried there's a drop-off or somebody looking for the the biggest bounce back in Calgary. Yeah, it's a great question, Reed. Sam Bennett would be a guy who comes to mind as someone who, after an outstanding rookie season when he scored 18 and added 18 assists, has just really never found a way to get back to that type of level. He scored only 11 last year, and, you know, certainly has been under a lot of fire and a big reason is in Edmonton Milan Lucic comes under a ton of fire because of his salary yeah in Calgary Sam Bennett comes under a lot of fire because people can't forget about the fact that 
he was the fourth overall pick in the 2014 draft. Um, he would be a guy certainly that I think about. It was a tough year for Michael Froelich, whose role might be down in the lineup just because some of the depth. But Michael took that terrible shot in the face that broke his jaw, courtesy of Brent Burns. I don't think he was ever the same after that. And, you know, he also had a tough night where the Flames were playing a great game and in the second half of the season against Vegas and turned a puck over. Vegas, bang, bang, scored two in 18 seconds. And it was kind of a real turning point for the Flames' entire season. So he would be another... Although I don't know if I'd put him in the class because Froelich's had an excellent career and by and large you always kind of know what you get effort-wise and what he's going to bring to the table. So probably Sam Bennett. Yeah, I, well, I hear you there. I, I, you know, when I see him play, I, I always think, and you're right, for a fourth overall pick and, and how the guys taken ahead of him are doing, I often sit there thinking, like, is there is there a little more there? Is there a little more there? And it hasn't been there for, for most of his career so far. Peter Labardi is from Sports at 960 in Calgary joining us. The Pacific Division. Uh, you know, Pete, I, 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 I had a gonna, couple... You're not going to ask me to handicap it, I hope, are you? Well, we... I, I won't you ask you... We if, have to do that. <laughs> I won't ask you for any concrete predictions, but... Thank you. I, I went and dug out a couple of publications we have lying around the sports department. Now, of course, uh, these were written before a couple of trades uh, helped Vegas and, uh, and San Jose... But it, it, it's funny, you know, that Sports Forecaster magazine had L.A. first in the Pacific. Uh, Hockey News has them fifth. Uh, Calgary is seventh in the Sports Forecaster and first in the Hockey News. Uh, Edmonton is fifth in one and sixth in another. I went on NHL.com today. They're all making picks. Some of them have the Oilers third. Some of them have them as a wild card. Some of them have them out. Same deal with Calgary, anywhere between third and an, and an also-ran. Uh, I, I think it's I think it's going to be fun. I think Calgary and Edmonton are going to be better than last year. I mean, I think I you got to put for me anyway. You got to put San Jose as the preseason to win the uh, as the favorite to win the regular season title. Playoffs is a whole different story. And then I don't know. To me, then it's Vegas, Calgary, Edmonton. I don't know how Anaheim's going to be. I'm not sold that LA is going to be a lot better than last year. Um, Again, I'm not going to ask you to rank them all, all one through eight, but other than the Sharks, uh, I think uh, it could go any way. Yeah, and I'm exactly in that same boat. I might give them a bit of an edge, a bit of an edge at the top, but nothing in the Pacific Division, basically one through six, would surprise me. Nothing. Uh, I think it's that tight. So much of it depends on goaltending and injuries. And look at the Flames. They already, one game in, have a fairly significant blow that they're going to have to deal with. Who knows? Maybe for a month or two. Those things always play a huge role. It's funny. Anytime I get in this conversation, I, I had the absolute pleasure to work in doing a lot of junior television work with Bill Wilms over the last couple of years. If you know Bill, he's, he's a great guy with a terrific personality. And we were in a conversation one day a couple of years ago, and he goes, Hey, Peter, why don't you do yourself a big favor? Get out of the prediction business. <laughs> it doesn't work very well. <laughs> so any time I'm in a conversation like this, I immediately think about Bill, who, by the way, if you ever want to hear a great rant on the radio station, phone Bill up, who still does a lot of radio work for the Vancouver Giants, 
and ask him how he feels about continental breakfast. I guarantee you it fills a segment, and there won't be a listener that isn't in high spirits. <laughs> All right, I got to make a note of that for sure. Yeah, the man cannot stand a continental breakfast. Oh, that's awesome! Well, and I and I, I feel your pain about uh, predictions because you know somebody be like, "Well, what's McDavid going to get?" And I'll be like, "I don't know, 115 points." And oh, you don't think he can right. get 120? It's like, well, like hold on here. We're just it's. I, I know a lot of people in the media read for a long time. I've never met the media version of the amazing crap. <laughs> that's true. Nor have I. Nor have I. Hey. <laughs> Pete, thanks for jumping on the show today. Uh, you'll be on with Bob next time you're on, whenever that is. I'm just sitting in for him this week, but it's uh, great to chat with you, man, and I'll see you around the rinks this year. You too. Always a pleasure. Keep up the great work. That is Peter Labardius checking in from Sportsnet 960 in Calgary. Fun guy, knows his stuff. Always enjoy talking to him. Oilers now, of course, presented by Digitex, trusted by 630Ched. Visit their new e-commerce site and order supplies, printers, and more at digitex.ca. You want to get in touch, of course, you can do so on the Westlock Ford text line at 630-630. The River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline, 780-496-0063. And follow the show on Twitter at Oilers Now. Back after the break. Subscribe to the Oilers Now podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. Well, good to have you tuning in this afternoon. Reed Wilkins in for Bob Stoffer. Bob in Germany. He and Jack Michaels will have the call of the Oilers season opener against the Devils tomorrow, 9.30 a.m. for the face-off show. The game will start at 11. Some guests on the show get gift certificates to Japanese Village. Steak and seafood cooked right at your table in Edmonton South, downtown and north side, and also in Sherwood Park. 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. Quick Quick note here from the world of U-Sports football. I don't know if you saw this, Brendan. The Regina Rams have uh, been slammed for having an ineligible player and stripped of their three wins this season, one of which was over the Alberta Golden Bears, who are now awarded a one nothing victory in the game, which improves their record to 2-3 and three and puts them into fourth place and in a playoff spot in Canada West. And, you know, good for them. They don't ask how. They they ask how many. Well, they might ask how if it's all forfeits. But well, they, they, did win, they did win one on the field. They'll, they'll ask how if you make the playoffs and get stomped 70 to nothing. That, that's when they ask how. Well, true. Hopefully that doesn't happen. But they will have a chance to make the playoffs for sure. Astros up one nothing on Cleveland. That game is in the bottom of the fourth. Uh, Rockies and Brewers later on. Yankees and Red Sox. That'll be fun. They start at 5.30. Late game tonight is the Braves going up against the Dodgers. Uh, Brian texting in. He says, uh, after watching Good Branson destroy Hamannick, I'm really happy the Oilers have Lucic. People forget why we got him in the first place. We were getting pounded. Now we have Luch, Cassian, and Kara. It's a text to 630-630. Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, I, you know, tough year, obviously, for the Oilers. And when, when the team fails, the team f- fails. So you got to be careful about singling out individual players because everybody would have liked to do better. I, you know, Kara had a pretty good year. He was benched early in the year, 
right? Got scratched a few times after he had a bit of a poor start. He really responded, scored some nice goals, showed he has a bit of a good shot. And he was the guy that really stepped up and fought a few times when when something needed to be handled. He's a big guy. Uh, good for him. Now, the problem with Lucic is who who wants to fight him? I mean, who who really wants to fight him? I mean, Tanner Glass fought him. How did that go for Tanner Glass late in the season in Calgary? <laughs> well, Mike Smith, too, and that whole, that was the same game. Yeah, so uh, I, I'm, I think Lucic will do better. I, I've talked about his, his career shooting percentage a lot, and he's had, you know, he's usually around 12, 14% shooting. He was under seven last year. So if he bounces back even part of the way, he'll get more goals. But I know that he has this reputation. Uh, around the league where it's kind of like well you know don't engage him let him let him sleep don't get him too fired up that's that's the best way not to have him do something important in the game so he has to be able to to do that uh without waiting maybe for something to happen in the game or or without somebody on the on the other team getting under his skin but yeah i mean i i understand the i understand the concern uh but like i've said he's he's going to get to play in the top six i would think for an extended time just like they kept them up there last year. And finally, late in the season, he had some games where his ice time dropped. But I, I think he's going to get there, uh, going to get that ice time to start, probably for a while, and also on the first power play. And we'll see how, how that goes. The Oilers' power play was interesting in the preseason, Brendan. They scored goals. They scored as many off the rush as they did off the setup, which is great. I mean, you're not, you're not going to turn down those goals, but you kind of need to have that reliable setup. Uh, Lucic did get one early. That would have been, what, the third game of the preseason, I think. He got that centering pass from uh, Dreisaitl, and, and it went in off his stick. Uh, they clearly were overpassing the puck Wednesday in Germany, especially the first few power plays, doing everything they could to get Dreisaitl a goal. It, it, that was a little frustrating to watch, given how they overpassed it a lot last year. Uh, I would hope that's not the mentality once they go tomorrow against the Devils. They've got the structure like on this team, and by structure I mean just the roster makeup, that they can probably rely on scoring off the rush more so than some other units. And I, I would say that a lot of the preseason was them figuring out exactly what that first unit is going to look like, right? They had five left-handed shots out there. That's, that's kind of peculiar. So I'm not surprised that a lot of their goals didn't come off the setup, considering they're not even sure what the setup's going to be yet. That's what the preseason was for for them coming off of last year. Well... Yeah, I, I think they got to figure that out quickly, though. And I think with this, with the skilled guys, if you look at Nugent Hopkins, Dreisaitl, and McDavid all on one power play, they, they, they should be able to move the puck. They should be able to make passes. They should be able to find open guys. And they should be able to get off high percentage shots or create goal mouth scrambles. And they did get that one goal. Uh, which one was that? We were sitting together, and I said, see, that's the one. They, it got jammed in front. Lucic was there, whacked at it, and then McDavid kind of came in and flipped in the rebound. It'd be nice to see a few more goals like that, too, where they work the puck to the net, they can outnumber the other team for puck battles, and then one of the skill guys is able to finish the play in tight. I'd, I'd like to see a lot more goals like that, too. And McClellan's uh, San Jose teams scored a lot like that on the power play, right? Creating that fr- feeding frenzy type atmosphere in front of the net, keeping pucks alive, whacking away at it, and, and then you get the goal for sure. To me, somebody's got to step up in that unit and be the shooter. They're, we know that Nuge can pass. We know McDavid can pass. Is, is Dreisaitl going to be the finisher? 
You know, there's got to be somebody there who's not going to frustrate fans by making well, the that, extra pass right, when that, there's a yawning cage. That's right, and that's going to be because th- those guys, not that they can't score, but they often have pass-first mentalities, mm-hmm. right? If, if you look at those three guys. Now, Lucic in front of the net, fine. You don't want him handling the puck on the outside. Clefbaum at the point. Uh, I mean, somebody just texted in, since the Oilers have five left-handers on one power play, does this make them too predictable? I, I don't know if it's as simple as the, the left or right shot that makes them predictable. I, I mean, it, it could be a great opportunity if McDavid's on the left and you have Clefbaum at the point and Dreisaitl and Nugent Hopkins, you know, one in a bumper, one on the far side, and they're all teed up for a one-timer or a one-touch pass. If they are able to effectively use all those options and move the puck quickly, then then no, I don't I don't think it will be too predictable because like there there are still there are still options to give the puck to. They they just have to do it quicker than than they did it last year and do it with a little more certainty. But that's a good question for sure. We'll touch base with the U of A Golden Bears. They are on the road this weekend. Oilers now on six thirty. Chet. Oilers now with Bob Stoffer weekdays at noon. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.